We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Before we get started, make sure you hit that little subscribe button right there on the Matthew Paris Show. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports. We talk Houston sports. We talk what is going on in the sporting world. And apparently, there's a lot going on in the sporting world. We have the NFL playoffs coming up. The regular season is now done with. We have Wild Card Weekend coming up next weekend. We have the uh, Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns on Saturday. And we have a few other games in the wild card week, and we'll break that down a little bit later. But first, let's talk about the Houston Texas and the Indianapolis Colts game. This game actually turned out to be a really good game. Uh, it was a game that turned out to be the AFC South Divisional title game, and nobody really knew about it until the very next day. Uh, but let's talk about C.J. Stroud for a second. C.J. Stroud had 264 yards, two touchdown passes, zero interceptions, with a pass array of 134.1. That is great for a rookie QB. Uh, in the regular season, his rookie season, he finished with only uh, five interceptions, 23 touchdown passes, and he has 4,108 yards. He passes the 4,000 mark, and he's up there, uh, that monumental achievement, he's up there with Andrew Luck, and uh, he is, I believe, the fifth rookie quarterback to ever achieve that uh, status in one year as a rookie to reach 4,000 yards passing through the season. Okay, let's talk about the game for a second. Uh, on January 6th, the Houston Texans played the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, it, was, it was a great game throughout. It was 17-17 throughout. But let's talk about that first play in the Houston Texans series. C.J. Stroud came out confident, as he was ever, as the rest of the Texans team were. The O-line was doing good. The receivers, Nico Collins was there. He was doing good. C.J. Stroud went back for a pass. It threw a 77-yard pass to Nico Collins. On about the 25-yard lines, Collins broke away from the defender and jogged right into the end zone. That was the first play of the game. A 77-yard pass. Even the announcers were saying, wow, that is amazing. And he continued to impress throughout. Uh, he was picking the, uh, the uh, defenders of the Colts apart. He was throwing uh, yards. Of course, he had 264 yards. He uh, utilized the run game a little bit. He CJ used his legs a little bit. So... It was 17-17 throughout the, the game. Uh, the thing is, though, Houston could have lost this game easily to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts were marching downfield as Houston was ahead, I believe, at the time, 23-19. Uh, Gardner Minshew, the Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Gardner Minshew, had gone back for a pass. He threw it to, a, I believe, the running back who was on a wide out to the left side. He turned. He tried to catch it. The, the pass was a little underthrown. And uh, he turned to try to catch it. It hit his hands, but he had to go low with it, and it bopped out of his hands. And voila, Houston gets the ball. Uh, from that point on, C.J. Stroud just continued to hand off, try to drive out the uh, clock on, four, on the fourth quarter. And what happened there was he did. And the final score for that game was 23-19 Houston. So what does this mean for Houston? Houston goes on to for a playoff berth into uh, the wild card weekend. They will play against the Cleveland Browns on Saturday. There were rumors going around that they might play the Kansas City Chiefs, but those rumors are not true. The playoff picture is out now for wild card weekend. Uh, they will play, Houston will play uh, the Cleveland Browns. Now, uh, let's see um, Let's see what happens there with the Cleveland Browns game. Uh, now, listen, as far as what the Houston Texans go at the beginning. I did an episode at the beginning of the season that I predicted that Houston will have a six game win this season. Boy, was I wrong about that. I predicted six to eight wins. 
They won 10 games this season, and I had them not going to the playoffs this season, but they are going to the playoffs this season. So listen, I could not be more happy as a native Houstonian that I was wrong about that. And uh, yeah, so Houston's now in the playoffs. They finished the season 10-7. and Now, in other news, let's move on real quick to uh, the all-rookie team that CBS Sports has out. Now, earlier in the season, uh, C.J. Stroud was predicted to as a lock for Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was also, there was some talks there of MVP, but he got hurt uh, in early December, midway through the season due to a concussion protocol, so he was out for two games. Uh, then, of course, Davis Mills, his backup, played a little bit, and then he, uh, uh, Case Keenum, who's a veteran quarterback in the NFL, played a little bit. So, uh, they actually, Case Keenum actually ended up being the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee during the throwback weekend when the Tennessee Titans wore the Houston, the old Houston Oilers uniforms during the Houston Texans. That's a whole nother show in itself because I believe that was a, incredibly disrespectful. But uh, the Texans did win in overtime, so Houston Texans got the last laugh on that one. But let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about the 2023 NFL All-Rookie team that this guy on CBS Sports has predicted. Um Let's talk about uh, C.J. Stroud. The offensive rookie of the year favorite is getting a nod at quarterback. It's easy peasy here. I must give some props to Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick because he cooked up as many open shots for Stroud. And the Ohio State alumni rarely missed them. And uh, the Stroud-Nico Collins connection was flames all season. Collins targeted uh, equated to a 129.6 quarterback rating this regular season. With the Texans, Winners of the AFC South, we'll get into that here in a minute. Stroud serves as another clear reminder as the power of hitting on a franchise quarterback. Uh, he also has Devonche Archain, Miami, who played for Texas A&M. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Achani, I think it's Achani. Devon Achani. Achani dazzled in year one, displaying speed and quickness we've rarely witnessed in recent NFL history. Inside Mike McDaniel's interact run game, the Blazer for Texas A&M averaged a ridiculous 7.8 yards per carry with eight touchdowns. While he spit speed was his headliner trait, I know his ridiculous lateral cutting skill from the electric runner all season. An injured Kern would have almost surely been a 1,000-plus yard season for the rookie. Uh, let's talk about uh, Puka Nakua, who is with the Los Angeles Rams. Nakua reminds me of a draft guy of how unpredictable and captivating the draft could be. Uh, even the world's largest Nakua fan wouldn't have told you he'd break the NFL's longstanding 6-3 yards record for rookie receiving yards, and here we are. It was a historic start for Nakua, but we've really we, what really amazed him, even after Cooper Cup returned and assumed number one receiver in Sean McVay's offense, the fifth-round pick from BYU still rocked. Frankly, he made a collection of some of the most ridiculous snags I saw all season. It was integral to the Rams sneaking into the playoffs. Uh, he also has – this is the guy from CBS Sports, by the way. He also has Jordan Addison, who's a wide receiver from Minnesota Vikings. Addison was to consummate number two wideout to Justin Jefferson as a rookie. It stood in as the Vikings' number one wideout during Jetta's prolonged injury absence. Of course, there were some lulls, yet the Vikings were forced to play musical chairs at quarterback like a few other clubs. The short, light, wide-out performance as polished as advertised and nearly had 10 touchdown snags. Small receivers can ball. Uh, of course they can. You know, Tank Dell is another uh, uh, example of that. Remember, Asa was a shade over 5'11 and just 173 pounds at the combine, and he rocked as a rookie. Um, he's also got... Uh, 
Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Rasheed Rice on his all-rookie team. But I believe, I do believe that C.J. Stroud is a lock for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Not only that, there are other Houston Texans that are involved here that are that could be a lock for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. The Offensive Rookie of the Year, I believe, is C.J. Stroud. Defensive Rookie of the Year, of the year could be Will Anderson Jr., who came from Alabama. Uh, and then Coach of the Year could be from... Um, D'Amico Ryans. There's some talk of D'Amico Ryans possibly being coach of the year because he did. He's a rookie coach. He's working with a rookie linebacker and he's working with a rookie quarterback. So that's three rookies that could be coach of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and offensive rookie of the year. So uh, congratulations to the Houston Texans on that one. Uh, but look, going back here, let's talk about another game that happened on Sunday. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. The Titans end up winning that game 28-20. to This actually helped Houston. You know why? Because now Houston, the Houston Texans, are now the AFC South champions. Uh, the Tennessee Titans missed out on the playoffs. They were fourth in the AFC South. They came into this game with nothing to lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars had to win this game in order to get a playoff berth. Um, I know uh, quarterback for, for Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, is hurt. With, I think he's got a hurt finger, and I think he's got, a, he's got a hurt ankle or a hurt finger or something like that. But the Tides did up winning that game 28-20. to um, Yeah, so listen, the Tennessee Tides came in here with nothing to lose. They were 5-10 and 10 through the season. Um, they said, you know, Tennessee was just, uh, they had nothing to lose. So what does that mean? Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the time were out of it until, you know, they had to have a miracle here with a couple of teams losing and a couple of teams winning here. Uh, Pittsburgh has now clinched uh, an AFC playoff spot against the Buffalo Bills in the wildcard weekend. And Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills in the wildcard weekend. Uh, but let's go back to the Tennessee Titans, um, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game. This was supported by Yahoo Sports. Jaguars blow playoff chance and lost to Titans, clinching postseason bursts for Bills and the Steelers. So the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers will play in the uh, in the uh, wild card weekend. Uh, Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars threw two costly interceptions early versus Tennessee. The Jacksonville Jaguars entered Sunday in full control of their playoff path, and they blew it. Jacksonville faced a win-and-end situation in their regular season finale against the Tennessee Titans. They dug themselves a 15-point hole and then saw a fourth-quarter rally come up short in a 28-20 Titans win. The loss eliminated the Jaguars from the postseason and allowed the Houston Texans to uh, secure the AFC South title on the heels of their win over the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday night. The loss also allowed the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills to clinch playoff spots. The Steelers have a wild card berth after beating the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday. The Ravens are actually uh, awaiting the Cleveland Browns Houston Texans wild card game, so they get a week off. And whoever the winner is between the Houston Texans and Cleveland Browns will meet in the second round the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Bills took the AFC East title from the Miami Dolphins, who fell to the number six seed wild card spot. The Jaguars, meanwhile, will watch the playoffs from home. Early turnovers doomed Jaguars. Sunday's game got off to the back and forth start with the Titans taking a 14-10 lead in the second quarter and an 18-yard Derrick Henry touchdown run. Then back-to-back Trevor Lawrence interceptions put Jacksonville's season in peril. The first arrived at a tri- uh, excuse me tip drill on a pass intended for a tight end, Evan Ingram. The third down pass hit Ingram in the hands but slipped out of his grasp as linebacker Azizi Alshear 
lean in for a hit. The ball mounts into the air, allowing Terrell Edmonds to secure for an interception just before it hit the turf. Um, the Titans covered the turnover into a 36-yard touchdown drive to extend their lead to 21-10. On the next Jaguars possession, Lawrence threw another interception. This time, he sailed a pass intended for Zay Jones. Sean Murphy Bunning picked off to the end of Jacksonville Drive near midfield late in the second quarter. The Titans didn't cover the turnover into points, but they extended their lead to a 28-13 with a 75-yard touchdown drive to start the second half. Uh, the Jaguars answered early in the fourth quarter with a touchdown pass from Lawrence to Ingram to cut their deficit to 28-20. But a fourth and goal sneak from one-yard line by Lawrence on their next possession came up short. Jacksonville had one last chance to rally, take it over possession on a Titans punt with a 2-18 remaining in the fourth quarter but they turned the ball over on downs, allowing the Titans to take possession and run out the clock. Lawrence missed a wide-open Calvin Ridley on a second-down deep ball that likely would have resulted in a touchdown if complete. Uh, yeah, he finished today completing 29 of 43 passes. This is Trevor Lawrence, by the way. He finished today with 29 of 43 passes for 208 yards with two touchdowns. His two interceptions put the Jaguars in a hole they wouldn't climb out of. Uh, the loss marks a bitter end to a promising season that started with playoff expectation, seemingly met early with an 8-3 start. But the Jaguars limped to the finish line with five losses in their last six games, that included a four-game losing streak. They finished the season 9-8 with plenty of questions hanging into the offseason. I know uh, Amy Adams uh, Strunk uh, is hoping to clean up Tennessee's Titans mess of her creation. Um because I know the Tennessee, this is reported by the Tennessean. Let's take stock of the Tennessee Titans entering a critical offseason. They just had a second losing season in a row. <laughs> Believe me, the Houston Texans know what that feels like. Their roster needs a serious upgrade. Their era of collaboration leading is failing. Lee Media Near and Far kept reporting that Coach Mike Vrabel and General Manager uh, Rand Carthon, I hope I said that right, have a strained working relationship stemming from the fact that neither is truly in charge. It's a mess Titans ownership is created, and only Amy Adams Strunk can clean it up. We've heard nothing from Amy's from Adams Strunk in recent weeks and months, and this idea of Rabel and uh, Carathon being at odds has spread through NFL circles as a reason for why Vrabel might want out of Tennessee. That's an indictment of her leadership more than theirs. Indictment of her leadership more than theirs. It reflects poorly on the franchise. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported Saturday that Vrabel and Titans decision-making are expected to meet to determine whether and notable changes will be made, hitting at the possibility of Vrabel being traded to another franchise. The situation in Tennessee currently is not settled, Schefter wrote. So, uh, it looks like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, dealing going on in Tennessee Titans, a lot of fights behind the scenes, behind closed doors in the front office. So let's see what Amy Adams Strunk does there. Um, yeah, so, you know, let's, uh, let's move on. So here's where uh, the playoff picture could look, you know. So we have NFL wildcard weekend schedule, which is next week. And NFL now is the following schedule for next weekend. So the Ravens, who are AFC, and the 49ers, who are NFC, have a first-round bye and will face the lowest-seed winner from their respective conference and divisional round January 20th or 21st. So the Ravens will either, either face the uh, Houston Texans or the Cleveland Browns. Um, so on Saturday, January 13th, we got the number 5-seeded Cleveland Browns at number 4-seeded Texans. That's at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. 
We have the number six Dolphins at the number three Chiefs. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time on, on Peacock, a streaming channel for NBC. On Sunday, January 14th, we have the number seven seed Steelers at number two Bills. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Uh, we have the number seven Packers against the number two Cowboys. That's 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. And then we have the number six Rams against the number three Lions. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. On Monday, Monday Night Football, January 15th, we have number five Eagles for the number four Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time on ABC and ESPN. Uh... Robert Mays and Nate Tice break down the playoffs on their episode of the Athletic Football Show. Okay? Uh, so, yeah. So, we have those games coming up. Um, good luck to the uh, wild card round. You know, it's going to be great. So, let's see what happens here. And, of course, I'm from Houston, so go Texans. Okay, now, tonight. This is uh, Monday night for College Football National Championship Night that will be played at NRG Stadium. We have the Washington Huskies versus the Michigan Wolverines. Who is your pick? What's going to go on? Will it be a close game? I mean, of course, Washington has that very strong offense with some of the top-rated receivers in the world. They have Michael Penix Jr., who was a Heisman finalist as quarterback. He's a very accurate guy for what I saw against that game against Texas. So uh, he's very accurate with the throws. I think it will be a good game. I think it will be a closer matchup. Uh, of course, uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines are coming off that uh, a little bit of a scandal there where Harbaugh had to miss a little bit of half the season because of the sign-stealing incident. So, uh, But he will be back tonight. Uh, Michigan will play against uh, the Washington Huskies. Um, I do think it will be a close game. I think it will be a, uh, I think it will be a high-power shooting game, offensive game. I could be wrong. But here's the thing. Florida State was complaining about not being in the college football playoffs after their undefeated record. Well, this just proves that the college football committee knows what they're doing. they always going to put, even with uh, playoffs, they're, they're going to try to put number one with number two, and that's what happened here. Uh, Washington is ranked number two with a 14-0 record. Michigan is ranked number one, again, with a 14-0 record. You have number one versus number two in the NCAA College Football National Championship. That is tonight. So, uh, this is from the Big Ten Network. Michigan is the best team we've seen in college football in a while. Uh, let's let's go here. We had another guy on uh, Twitter, or I should say X. Watch the Washington Huskies take on the Michigan Wolverines in the College Football National Championship game tonight on January 8, 2024, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, he says, go dogs." Tonight is the CFB National Championship game. Who are you rooting for? This is from Angie Machado. Uh, Brett Murphy on uh, X, or, you know, Twitter X. My final AP Top 25 ballot, one and a half, Michigan, Washington, three, Texas, four, Bama, five, Georgia, six, four, State, seven, Missouri, eight, Oregon, nine, Ole Miss, 10, Arizona, 11, Ohio State. And the list goes all the way down to number 25. He does have Troy at number 25 and SMU at number 24. Um yeah, so but he has Texas. He has University of Texas as number number uh, three. So, uh, what what's your predictions here? Let's let's look at ESPN real quick at the twenty twenty four College Football National Championship. The time has almost come to crown the national championship of college football with the Michigan Wolverines facing the Washington Huskies. That's at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. In the semifinals, Michigan knocked off Alabama and Washington held off Texas. Set up an intriguing battle of beans one team will walk away in his first title of more than 25 years um 
In anticipation of Monday night's clash, we asked ESPN's college football reporters, analysis, commentators, and pundits for predictions for the final score. And the results were a bit of a surprise. Uh, it says right here, the odds makers have Washington has the average of 32 to 16, although Michigan is the betting favorite and has the advantage based on various metrics. Our experts side with Washington by a 2-1 margin. The Huskies were picked at 32 of our 48, uh, 48 predictions. Uh, of those who pick Washington, 24 of 32, which is 75%, expect the winning margin to be four points or less. Michigan backers are a bit more confident with 7 of 16 calling for a victory of more than four points. Our selectors also are expecting a shootout with the average total points prediction at 58.9. The over-under betting total is 56.5. The lowest point total prediction was 38, and the highest was 77. The most popular score pick was Washington winning 31 to 27, predicted in five times. ESPN Betline has Michigan of under 5, over, and under 56.5. ESPN Football Power Index, FBI, gives Michigan a 74.3% chance of winning this game. Um, so, yeah, so it, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a, a, a high-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a game of defense. Both teams have very good offense. Um, I think Michigan Wolverines has a little bit of a slightly better defense than Washington. But I do think it's going to be a close game. And, you know, it's what the college football committee wanted. They wanted number one versus number two. So, yeah, so you can't really, you know, you can't really argue with that. The uh, college football committee knows what they're doing. You know, somebody argues it's just a fan, you know, complaining about why their team or their alumni school is not in the college football playoffs. But just kind of proves, number one versus number two, that the college football committee knows what they're doing. Um, let's move on. We have some sad news right now. Frank Ryan, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Frank Ryan, uh, back in the day, and he also he's from Fort Worth, Texas. He was born July 12, 1936, has died in his home in Waterford, Connecticut. He was 87 years old. Uh, his education was R.L. Paschal High School, and, and he also played for Rice University. He was one of the best quarterbacks, I think, to come out of Rice University. Uh, he was a professional football player. He was a quarterback for the National Football League for the Los Angeles Rams. That went from 1958 to 1961. He was with the Cleveland Browns in 1962 to 1968 and Washington Redskins 1969 1970. He played college football for the Rice Owls, a three-time Pro Bowl selection with Cleveland. Ryan led the Browns to their most recent NFL football uh, league title in 1964. So he was the quarterback on that one. But not only was he a great quarterback, he was also the cover on Sports Illustrated when he was with the Cleveland Browns. But listen, not only was he a great quarterback, he did a lot of great things for people too uh, outside the field. He was a very, very smart guy. He was also a mathematician serving as a faculty member uh, at Case Western Reserve University from 1967 to 1974. Um, so he knew his plan for life after football when he retired. He was a, uh, let's see here, he, um, he had given his desire to obtain a Ph.D. for what he, for which he did in the offseason during uh, his tenure with the NFL. Ryan originally decided not to play professional football after the Los Angeles Rams chose him in the fifth round of the 1958 NFL draft. He changed his mind after he was able to enroll at both UCLA and the University of California, Berkeley, to pursue an advanced degree. Uh, Ryan then transferred back to Rice, where he studied during the offseason. Um, you know, his NFL career... Uh, he acquired the backup starting quarterback job from Jim uh, Jim Nanoski. Ryan moved into the starting slot on October 28th when Nanoski broke his collarbone while being tackled by Pittsburgh Steelers defensive lineman Eugene Big Daddy Lipscomb. 
with no other candidates to compete with. Ryan established his leadership and held to the starting role for much of the next six seasons. In his first full season as a starter, this was in 1963, Ryan threw for 2,026 yards and 25 touchdowns with only 13 interceptions, helping the Browns to a 10-4 record. Uh, 13, 13 of those touchdowns went to Gary Cos, who tied for the league lead in receiving touchdowns that year. In 1964, Ryan established himself as one of the league's best passers. Um, he also had the legendary player Jim Brown on his team for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but Ryan, he threw for 2,404 yards and repeated his 1963 performance by completing 25 touchdown passes, which was, which was enough to lead the league. Um, he was a, a memorable clutch performer during the Browns' Memorable 10-3-1 season, needing a win on December 12th, regular season finale against the New York Giants to clinch a berth in the NFL title game. Ryan completed 12 of 13 passes for five touchdowns and ran for six touchdowns at a 52-20 win. Um, so, yeah, he was a pro bowler. He did a lot of great things. He was a professor. I believe he was, a, um, he was hired at one point by the U.S. House of Representatives to develop some sort of computer technology for elections. So he was truly an amazing guy. Uh, and he will be missed. Prayers and thoughts go out to the Ryan family and, uh, and, and Ryan's friends. Uh, seemed like a really, really good person. Now, this will be it for that show. We do have season two of the Matthew Paris show coming up soon. We're going to have video of the Matthew Paris show for season two coming up soon. We'll be shown on uh, Roku channels. We will be shown on Amazon. It's going to be great. Not just audio, but we're also going to have video too. Listen, you guys have a happy new year. Uh, I hope you guys had a great new year. Take care. Uh, be safe tonight if you're watching the National Football Championship game at a bar or a restaurant. If you're going out with your loved one, just be safe tonight. And, yeah, you guys take care. Make sure to hit that little subscribe button. It's always a great time on here on the Matthew Parrish Show. So you guys take care. All right, take care.